with Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody to um, check out the podcast in whatever you're using to listen to this right now. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, this is a podcast all about anime. If you got this far without knowing that, congratulations, I guess. But um, some of our more recent episodes have been... Um, I, an episode all about Inuyasha from um, that was last that was last week's episode. Or if you want to check out a Sunday edition, um, you can definitely go check out the Sunday edition I just did about two or three episodes ago in the um, feed. That was all about the Crunchyroll Anime Awards and what I thought about what I think about those things as awards. Less about like the individual awards and who they went to but more about, like, this is a functioning high-level award show, and I definitely encourage you to go listen to that. But if you want, to, if you want my real recommendation on what episode to listen to, I strongly encourage you to listen to the interview episode I put out um, on February 26th, which is an interview with Peter Tatara, the um, head of the film program over at... The Japan Society, a um, philanthropic organization in out of New York City that aims to bring Japan, Japanese culture, and American culture closer together, specifically New York closer to Japan. Um, it's been running since the 70s. I recently went to a art opening there um, since I am a member, so I guess um, f- full disclosure there. But Peter was kind enough to sit down with me for an interview. He also started Anime NYC, the giant New York equivalent of something like um, the Crunchyroll Expo in California. Um, So definitely go check that interview out in the feed in whatever app you're using. Listen to me right now. Now, let's get into what we're talking about today. And that little show. 27 episodes long from 2007. Tengen Tapan
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get into the whole, like, ness of Gurren which is its own thing. I want to stop here for a second and talk about Studio Gainax. Because Studio Gainax has been, is this, like, large looming thing in the anime fandom and industry and has been forever. Because they are responsible primarily for three shows. They're best known for three shows, three or four shows. Um, And those shows are, of course, Evangelion. um, Evangelion, FLCL. um, Nadia's Secret of Blue Water. And this show, Gurren Lagann. Now, lots of people who know, who know a lot about the anime industry, even people who don't necessarily know as much about the anime industry, but have just absorbed, you know, bucket loads via osmosis because they've been around, kicking around for a long time, like yours truly, will tell you that the people who made those shows are no longer at Studio Gainax. Studio Gainax is kind of this, like, marketing husk that exists to kind of infinitely print money off of Evangelion-branded wine wine coolers. I'm not even kidding you. And that was kind of... That was exposed in, a, in like, an out-in-the-open, turn-all-the-spotlights-on-it major way by Hideki Anno um, a couple years back. He, I think he, like, gave an interview in the Japan Business Times where he just, like drags them through the mud and then got out of the car and grabbed them by the arms and just started kicking the studio's face in, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, because they've just, they became a money pit, basically, because they were, I'm not super sure how it happened, but I know that it happened. I know that Gainax isn't what it was when it was releasing the kinds of shows that Gainax had built its reputation on releasing. But kind of the epitome of what it is, of, of what Gainax was, is demonstrated best by Gurren Lagann. Or the full title is Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagann. Um, which I believe means like Heaven Piercing Drill Gurren Lagann or something. But the... The really interesting thing about this show is that it could have gone a bunch of different ways. And one of my biggest problems with reality, with just like living in the world right now, is that the world lacks imagination on what could be. Or at the very least, it's not it doesn't allow itself to have the imagination on what could be. So, this is a perfect example. Um Something like the banking shit that has happened, that had been in the news 
lately. If you're living in America, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're living elsewhere in the world, you probably also know exactly what I'm talking about. A bunch of banks, a bunch of American banks, went tits up over the past about week to a month. And what the government did was essentially they just like, they backstopped it to... To, to stop the bleeding and stop it from spreading any further. But what they actually did is it's, it's, it's essentially a bailout. And it essentially makes whole a bunch of people who took a lot of risk and should have known the risks they were taking and should not necessarily be made whole by any amount of money from any, from any source. And due to... Yes, it stopped the bleeding that was that was starting to happen, although that's that's very questionable uh, at least recently. It also is what was what is always done for this kind of thing. There was no there was no imagination put to the idea of like what if we let this thing run? What if we let this what if we let this thing run its course? What if we let this thing happen? What does it look like on the other side of that? Because oftentimes when you think about that stuff, when you think about what's the worst thing that can happen, you're thinking about the terrible thing, the immediate terrible thing. You're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about what it looks like at the all the way at the end of this of the story if you don't step in. You're focused on on the short term on Solving the short-term harm instead of this correction that was clearly happening. Correcting and making a very impressive long-term good. And that kind of lack of imagination is something that didn't initially drive... That probably didn't initially drive me to anime, although I'm sure it was a factor. But it's the thing that keeps me involved with it like coming back to anime because what anime loves to do is it loves to be kind of imagination on full display and it loves to take those story be take the story beats that oftentimes reality chooses for one reason or another to like just like leave leave in the path and run with them it 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 has the capacity as a medium to ask, well, what happens if this happens? What, like, what happens if the bad guys win? What happens if, like, if, if this, then that? And, I, and one of my favorite, and I've talked about this before in the show, one of my favorite, um, kinds of anime stories or genres of anime stories that I think of it in my head is a is a what if scenario, and Gurren Lagann isn't that, but in in its story it sets up multiple versions of that, and it sets up it makes you understand that the consequences of success exist in the Gurren Lagann universe, and that is so. That is so different than the normal happily ever after story that you generally get. You don't really get a... By the end of Gurren Lagann, you don't really have a happily ever after story. You have 
a story that happened to you or like a totality of a thing that you have the totality of a character's life essentially that has played out before you in a way that makes sense that like good and bad things happen to this character and this character the main character of the show um i'm gonna come out right come right out and say it spoiler alert if you have not seen Gurren Lagann because I don't I don't think this is not super clear that this is the answer that this is the answer at all times but it is absolutely empirically the answer the entire time if you're paying attention Simone's life is laid out in front of you by the end of Gurren Lagann it just is and there have been good things and bad things that have happened to him in his life, and he as a character has grown up through and because of those things in ways that often that oftentimes even in storytelling in anime, just that isn't necessarily afforded to characters. Like the the, the show oftentimes wants you to get to like a good ending, bad ending, whatever. But, and actually it's probably the best, um, most like thing I can relate to this is, I talked about a couple, a couple, a handful of episodes ago, is Blood Blockade Battlefront. Um, Leonardo, Leonardo's, it, that show is less Leonardo as hero and more Leonardo living his life and this shit happens to him constantly. <laughs> And like, yes, he is made to be the hero in that show, but it's not because he's special. It's because it, it, it's, be, it's not just because he's special. It's because he's there. <laughs> like, I, I, Leonardo could be swapped out for any other character and similar things would happen. But in... And that's part of what makes a... Um, and part of what I think made a Blood Blockade Battlefront and this show, Gurren Lagann, so successful is that the special thing about our main character in Gurren Lagann is not that he's special, it's that he could be anybody. He could be anybody, and the show really points out that he could be anybody. He ha Yes, he has things that he's really specifically good at and really specifically into. But they're not, like, wholly unique. He's not, like, some gifted child from a magic institute that trained him. He's not, like, um... He's not, like, what's-his-face, the, um... The main character of, um... Elite Classroom. It, that, that's in no way who he is. He's just a kid. And... Chiefly, the character who most embodied like shonen protagonist enemy, like energy, and shonen, who most has shonen vibes, is actually at first blush Kamina, his like older brother, his surrogate older brother character, and Kamina is big, boisterous, manly, and like. If you don't believe in me, fuck you. If you don't believe in you, I believe in you and believe in me so you can believe in you. Kind of insane, 
headassery bullshit that is awesome and is what like is what Simone needs is what at first Simone needs and then later on in the show what the entire cast needs to kind of like get themselves out of bed and fight giant fucking robots every day and what what then tends to but what the show does with that is so interesting and so poignant and what the show does chooses to do with like the like big manliest manly kick him in the dick shonen protagonist energy later down the line is really interesting so i'm gonna take you i've seen this show a bunch of times i've got the synopsis in front of me but i can tell you the synopsis because i've seen this show a bunch of times um with it when we start gurn Logan, by the way spoilers for gurn Logan, because the, even the plot like spoils the shit out of you um you're following two you're following essentially two characters you're following um the character simone and the character um Kamina, as they're in this, as they're in this village that is under, this underground village, and this underground village is like ruled by this like, kind of like atholic village chief, who who just like tells them to keep digging and all this other shit, and Kamina doesn't want to keep digging, but Simo's very happy just digging, and eventually. A plot happens and they reach the surface. And the entire time the um, surface is this fabled, like, wondrous, dangerous no man's land that, like, humans cannot involve, involve themselves with. And at this point in the show, you. No one know You don't. You think that these are the last humans that you see. Like, you, you've witnessed this last group of humans. In this like pit village, and they get out into the village, and they end up fighting these these race of humanoids, slightly sometimes, slightly not sometimes, um, creatures named the Beastmen. And eventually, they encounter this girl named Yoko, who's fighting this giant, what they believe to be a Beastman, but isn't. It is actually a gunman, which is the Beastman's, like, giant robots they pilot. And you find out that it's piloted by a character that, who becomes pretty essential to the story <laughs> over time, um, named um, Viral. And Viral is this Beastman, is this Beastman, like, army general who gets his ass kicked and comes back for an ass kicking multiple times. Uh, and then story happens, story happens, story happens, story happens. There's this big pivotal fight in which Kamina, the like big boisterous dude in charge, the one that at this point, like an entire cast of characters had dedicated to them, dedicated themselves to. And this is like the last third, last part of the first third of the show gets killed. He he he's essentially because he's you know shonen protag shonen protagonisting all over the battlefield he gets killed, and the show 
needs to know what to do with that information. Kamina, Simone, the main character, spends the rest of that, spends a large part of the next bunch of episodes, even though they win that fight, in just a deep fucking depression until he finds this woman named Nia, Nia, Nia Teplin, who ends up being the daughter of the, of what you understand at this point to be the big bad. And it's this dude named Lord Genome. And Lord Genome is a big, is like a big scary dude who is like the king of the world. And eventually they fight Lord Genome. And Lord Genome is like, you, you fucked up real good, kid. Be and uh, along the way, by the way, they pick up a character named Rothew, who... At first, when you first meet Rothew and um, Leon, um, fabulously over-the-top drag queen gay Leon, when you first meet Leon and Rothew, I think actually... Leon, Leon comes with, uh, I believe, with Yoko, but he's like a, he's like a caring maternal, Leon, or Zay, I'm going to refer to Leon as Zay, is like a caring maternal figure almost, in lots of ways, but Rothio is part of this like big, false religion, and eventually that falls away for him, and he's like kind of doesn't know what to do. And then later on in the series, he finds his own way into basically being, you know, president of the universe or whatever the fuck. Um, but Simone's deeply depressed, and Nia kind of brings him out of this depression because she's kind of like a manic pixie dream girl. She has the same kind of qualities as Melfina from Outlaw Star, if you've ever seen that. But it's very clear that Nia and Simone are going to be a, like a couple. And at, the, at this point, you, it's also very clear that Yoko and Kamina were supposed to be a couple, but Kamina is fucking dead now. And for the rest of the show... This kind of com the spirit that Kamina brought to the show, that like shonen protagonist fuck yeah <laughs> energy, is something that like you see the sh you see the characters in the show bringing forcing themselves to bring themselves because he's not there to do it, and and you see at all times that like. Yes, these people believe in this. Yes, these, yes, that is something they all have in themselves. But it's not a nature. It's not a natural thing. It's a learned thing. And like they, they all learned that like you know, manly fighting spirit is like a thing you have to produce. Like they all had. To, that's all learned. It's not natural, and it be, and it feels learned, and it feels a little bit acted at all times, and that makes the over-the-topness more fun because you realize, like, Simone doesn't want to fucking do this necessarily. Like, this is not the first thing Simone would have done. Simone would have, like, dug his way through the planet or something. <laughs> but, like, throughout this entire show, you see this character who you see start as, like, a young 10-year-old kid 
writhing to meet the challenges that are presented to him, writhing to meet writhing to meet the world that is presented to him. And there's a there is a there's an honesty to this show that is not that that isn't really in the like any of the shows that trigger the which is made of made up of a lot of the people who made this show have had since the one thing that I will say that's in this show that is in all of trigger shows is the adults are not the right people to fix the problems. And like I like I said um, earlier in the show, currently we're going through a lot of tumultuous banking times again. And last time we did that, the whole world's economy kind of fucking broke for a while there. That was in 2008. The beginning of 2008 looked an awful lot like the banking shit that's happening now. Banks going out of business. Stuff getting fucked up. Govern- American government financial buyouts. Uh, or bailouts, rather. Not even buyouts. Bailouts. And... As somebody who lives through that, and as somebody who's also living through this now... The thing I didn't think then, but now have the clarity to think now is... Everybody who, who's in charge is too old to care, truly care, about the, the long-term consequences that will happen because they will be fucking dead. The people who should be in charge of the future are the people who have to live with the future when they get there. And that is a really... And that's really difficult right now for a bunch of reasons. And a lot of what Gurren Lagan is saying is about the fact that, like, Lord Genome is God knows how fucking old. The beast men are... None of the beast men you see are children. They are all kind of, like, fully formed adults. And oftentimes, like, take the... Take the four... Take the, like, aging are coded to be older than any of the main characters. When you first meet all the main characters, they're all in their mid to late teens except for except for Leon. Except for except for Leron. Leron and Leron very clearly is like fucking I'm just trying to help the kids get I'm just trying to help the kids get the future they want. And at all points, he that's what he says. He's like, I'm just trying to get these kids to the world where they can see a future for themselves. And in the character of Rothiu, what you you see a very specific kind of young person's journey through life in Rothiu. Because if Simone is the character who grows up to realize that he has become that he has two choices, either become the next problem that the kids after him have to deal with, or move out of the way so the kids can so the kids behind him can take their place in the sun. Rothy becomes the kind of adult 
who think that he's the solution, who think that he's the adult who, who's got it right, when he clearly doesn't, when he's just become a kind of copy of what was. A kind, another stopgap. And as somebody who is not necessarily a young person, but as a millennial, I can tell you there are millennials fucking like Rothu. They believe they are the solution when they are just another stopgap. And they, be they believe in the kind of measured bullshit that has got us to this point. And what this show is saying all the way through as a kind of core ideology is that like, no, you've got some core fucking problems here that won't be fixed by with just a band-aid or just like an AIDS package or just a bailout or any of this shit. What will be what the solution is here is to blow the whole thing up and build something new. Build some is to the solution to the Gurren Lagan characters can't be continue to play the game because the game is rigged the solution is blow the blow it the fuck up design a new game make better rules and make it so that if the people after you need to blow it up they fucking can and That spirit has, like, transferred really directly to um, Studio Trigger. In everything you watch in Studio Trigger, Studio Trigger is essentially saying, like, no, the young people are where it's fucking at. The old people are goddamn morons. <laughs> and suck often. Yes, they have their good points. But the ones who are the best are the ones who use their good points to help the young people get to the future. Because the, um, there's a great video by um, Mother's Base by Jeff Sue from Mother's Basement right now called Let Goku Die. And it's all about moving on, allowing kind of the shonen trope to move up, move on from Dragon Ball, from Dragon Ball. Because, and I didn't, wasn't aware of this at all, Dragon Ball Z has changed, has had to hold on to Goku as a character because he's so fucking popular and had to hold on to its existence because it's, it prints money. It just prints money. There's no way out of it. It just prints fucking money. It's a good story. It just prints money. The original run of Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z was the Cell Saga. Anything beyond the Cell Saga is all money printing bullshit. Boo, GT, Super, all debatably bad. All debatably meh to bad. I, I know you can like those things and you're open to liking those things. But they are not as good as Dragon Ball Episode 1 to Dragon Ball Z, the... The end of the Cell Saga. That is the canonical Dragon Ball story. Everything else is just fluff. And you see that in the fact that, like, Toriyama fucking left. 
and came back, but only to direct like a couple movies because he saw what was happening to his thing. He saw that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't let it go, and like he wanted to, so he did. And for a while, and when he saw, when he saw like something he could do with that property, he happily stepped in and did it, and kind of was fine with it. But so much of what of the problems that we're having in real life right now are about a generation holding on to power. And I I um spoke to my mother recently and she's in the baby boomer generation and she said the people and the thing she said to me and I was like stunned at this was not because she doesn't I'm surprised she thinks like this, but she usually doesn't vocalize it. She said the people her the way the people her age are holding on to power is shameful. And what she didn't say and what I and the conversation was about like why don't you think things are changing essentially? And I said, because the people in charge are I said what I said earlier. The people in charge are too old to care about the consequences in a way that is really meaningful. You know, say what you want, uh, say what you will about Pete Buttigieg, but more than likely, he'll be alive for uh, more than a few of the consequences of the actions of horse, of the kind of horse shit that we all, that certainly myself and anybody younger than me grew up seeing happen. You know, we, we've already seen those consequences. We already see those consequences. It's in the global warming. It's in the fact that, like, the concept of money is straight fucked. And so much about Gurren Lagann is, like, the, is certainly is, yes, power fantasy, giant robots, you know, manly action, fuck yeah. But it's also... No, what if we let... What if we let the current generation... What if the current generation had the power, could take the power to just burn everything to the ground and, like, kick ass and take names all the way to the top, all the way through the hierarchy to the top of the pyramid and say, the pyramid does not exist anymore. And what does it look like when a character like Simone super clearly like by the time by the time that Simone is kind of the age by the end of the by it, the very last scene of um Gurren Lagann is really beautiful because it's this it's Simone at the height of his powers he's like in his 50s probably and he's walking along a beach in this like random punk kid who looks vaguely homeless. And you, and you see that Simone has changed the world, has changed reality, so to speak. But reality is also the same as it was because the people in charge are still people his age, like Rossiu. That's not cool. And Simone is like, this kid trying to get a coconut open. And he's trying to like, 
stab it with a rock. And Simo was like, if you drill it with a rock, you'll get through the coconut shell. And the kid's, and the kid's like, cool, thanks, old timer, and takes the coconut and starts, like, sucking the milk like it's a titty. I'm not even kidding. And he's, as soon as he feels himself start to be like, do you know who the heck? He stops himself and he goes, of course you don't. It doesn't matter. I, who the hell do you think I am doesn't matter anymore. I'm nobody. I'm not important. I may have gotten, I may have gotten humanity to the next step, but I'm not important for after that. And you see somebody who at that point has outlived all the people he's, he looked up to, who lost his one true love for the cause of like winning the, of winning the universe for humanity, who has just give, who probably freely after, after all, there were no more oceans to be conquered, gave up the ghost to whoever wanted the power, most likely Rothu. Actually, definitely Rothu. It's like, it's understood that Rothu's running the place and they're looking for Zemo and they can't fucking find him. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, happy just being. He's just happy being. He, like, he did, he did his service. He did his service to the universe and he's fine with that. And... The thing, the the core thing, the core heart of the show of Gurren Lagann, and I'm talking about it in really broad terms because you really should go see this show. It's watchable just about fucking anywhere, most likely, but you can certainly find it on definitely dubbed and subbed at this point on Crunchyroll. But the heart of the show is Kamina. The Kamina is the fuck yeah shonen protag vibes to the max at all times heart of this show and the moment that he's but in but there are moments when he's not there are moments when he comes down to earth and it's clear that he's like is he has had more time just like with heart beating in his chest than a character like Simone. you see somebody who's doing this not because they crave power but because they want to see a future where this isn't necessary. You see a calm... Need, you see a calm, a calm, rational need and want to fight the man so that there isn't a man to fight anymore. And that's... There are so many people who say, like, when I'm in charge, this, that, and the other thing will, will change. And then they find themselves in charge, and they realize that the stuff that they wanted to change was the way it was, because it was keeping that person in charge. And if they want to stay, and if they want to keep their power, they have to keep that stuff, so they do. And one of my... um. One of the shows that I really love, um, that's on that's that's not currently airing, but it's like on television technically. It's a show called Billions, and I 
I've started rewatching Billions because I have a feeling that because it's, it's getting around the time when it'll come back for its for whatever the next season is. But Billions has these has these two characters that who has these two antagonist characters in its first season, and these two antagonist characters are the main antagonist, um, a guy named um David Axelrod. Uh, David Axelrod, or not David Axelrod, Bobby Axelrod. Um, David Axelrod is the strategist for the Obama campaign, um, who I believe teaches at the Chicago Business School or something, or Chicago Political Institute or something. But um, Bobby Axelrod and his like left hand, his like right hand man, a guy named Wags, or uh, um, I forget what Wags' full name is, but Wags. And you're watching the show, and you see, you see, the first time you're watching it, Bobby is kind of the, is the, is the, it's the kind of rich asshole who keeps himself in charge that you realize is part of the problem. And yes, Wag certainly is too, but through, but once you've seen all there is to see currently of, um, Billions, you realize that out of the two of them, if you want to be anybody, you want to be Wags. Because Wags has... Wags has kind of figured out. Wags, Wags is not the person railing against control all the time. He's the person who just kind of floats in the... Who just kind of like floats in the soup, so to speak. And yes, he's radically devoted to the person who to to the person who allows that to happen to him until the story until the story gives him an opportunity, not gives him a real reason and opportunity not to be. But and that's like multiple seasons down the line. But Wags kind of moves out of the way of other power, and he's fine with the power that he has because he knows it won't be diminished. He knows that his power will never go, that the amount of just privilege he has is so far beyond that he will never, like, it will never be a problem. Like, he will never have a problem. He is constantly okay. And I. Uh, through the story, he becomes less okay, and then he realizes, like, oh, this is what's going on with me, all this other stuff. And that kind of thing, that feels like what Kamina would have, like, the point Kamina would have reached if he had lived. Like, he he would become what Simone ultimately became in his place. Like, Simone is in name, the kind of supreme leader of humanity by the, like, last third of, um, Gurren Lagann, by, like, the last part of it. But he doesn't really want to be. He falls asleep in the park. Everybody, he, like, everybody around, like, everybody who wants a job, who wants a job in the government has one because Simon just doesn't want to do that shit. Like, he doesn't want to sign paperwork. He makes, he's like, Leon, please, just fucking do this. I don't care. Like, I... Call me when there's a giant robot thing that needs to get sorted out. Call me when there's a giant robot that needs punching in the face. 
I'm not going to deal with, like, the extra governmental shit. And Rothu is more than happy to make that shit happen. To, like, to like try and force Com Simone into doing that. And when Simone rejects that, he's like, no, this is part of the deal. Like, you, you, you saved humanity. Now you got to run it, son. And Simone's like, I, you run it. I don't care. I don't give a shit. It, it, no. And the kind of beauty of Gurren Lagann is so many of the characters want to save humanity, but not because they wanted to run, not, not because they wanted the reward. They wanted to save humanity because they wanted to save humanity. They wanted to kick kick ass and take names precisely because they wanted to do that. They weren't interested in what they weren't interested in what comes next, but to the story's credit, the story tells you okay, this is what it, this is what it looks like to have those characters also be the guys in charge. Like have those characters be the chuckle fucks who like do this, but also have those characters be the chuckle fucks who do that, who then confront the other characters who were prepared to take responsibility, to quote unquote take responsibility and become the new system, become the new man, if you will. Because there's a there's a scene later on late in like the last in the last section of Gurren where Simone finds out about. Rossu dragging a bunch of dragging a community of humans to the surface because all these humans wanted to do was go back to living underground. Like they wanted to go back to their what they understood their roots. And Rossi was essentially like, no, you don't get a choice. Like you don't get to live underground. We can't count you. We don't, we can't know what the fuck's up if we live if you live underground. Like you got you gotta live in these houses, son. And Simon's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we didn't, we, we didn't fucking fight and kill the crazy Spiral King to just, like, to, to not let people do what they want. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stamp a piece of paper and say, I'm the new Spiral King, except you get to live in the sunshine now. Like, that's not, that's not the game. Let them do what the fuck they want. And Rothu continues to ignore it, ignores him and continues to, like, act oppressive, to be the oppressor. And eventually, like, Rothu realizes, like, oh, I fucked up. Like, I, I, like uh, eventually Rothu tries to control the scenario and realizes, like, he can't. And, ev and everybody essentially, like, Kind of like sneaks up behind Rossi, bags and gags him, and is like, "Okay, go, go, go fix the universe, Simone. Like, go, like, go do the thing you have to do in order to like fix this." And then once that's done, the real genius of this show is not that it's it's a it's that it's a show that doesn't have that doesn't get the happy ending. It, doesn't 
like get everything was okay. Simon get to be with Nia and everybody gets and everything is happy. The real awesomeness of this show is that by the end of the show, all the characters who are in the right are like, no, fuck this. Like, we saved the universe, and no, we're not run. We saved the universe, but no, we're not going to run it, because that's a corrupt, that's a cor self-corrupting and corrupt thing. We're not going to be part of this nonsense. And the only one who really is part of this nonsense is like, Leron's like, hey, I'm going to keep all you guys on speed dial on a second phone. Now I'm going to keep in my house under the floorboards. And like... If shit goes bad, will you take my calls? And like, absolutely. When shit, when not if, when shit goes bad, fucking give me a ring, Leron. And they all fucking leave. They all leave. They all like. Yoko goes and teaches on an island, does her philanthropic work. Keaton and his sisters go fuck off to wherever, and like. Simone just kind of melts into the ether. Bureau goes who knows where, probably back to jail. But like even Rossiu and and the, the interesting thing here is that even Rossiu in like his high chancellor position he ends up in understands that he can't be the one who saves the universe. He's only the pencil pusher. And, like, as much as he would want to be the one who saved the universe, if he physically can't be. He, he, he doesn't have it in him. And that's got to eat you alive inside. Like, that's got to be... That's got... It's got to suck to be the president and know that you can't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> And, but not only know that you can't win the Super Bowl, but like be be straight up faced with it and be like, oh, I can't, I can't save the world. I can't stop this. I, I can't, like, I, like, whatever. And I, I realized that they needed to do a bunch of sci-fi, like, invention to, like, make this a real thing. But as much as we all believe that the rich and powerful rich and powerful in reality they are not the bottom line is if you shoot a rich guy in the heart with a gun you shoot a poor guy in the heart with a gun and they both get the same amount of zero care they both gonna die this show brings that gun into play it, it, it makes all the people who are in charge understand there are people with more, with more capacity to achieve greatness than they will ever have. And their, their accumulated wealth, their accumulated power, their accumulated, like, bestowed power will never match that. And what you see in them as a result is this, is, I don't know the cynicality of the word, but it's this cynical reality, I think is really what I'm looking for. 
in a character like Rafu. Like, Rafu is, like, he's genuinely like, I wish Simone was here. I wish my friends were here. And if this goes bad, like, I'm going to have to tap Leron on the shoulder and be like, make some calls. Because they won't take my number anymore. Because I was an, I was an asshole. And they'll fix it. But I, I cannot, I can only run this, I can only run this thing. I can't fix it if it breaks. And that, and eventually, like, the characters in the, the characters in the show will be dead, and it will be left with, you'll be left with the current generation, Timmy and Tommy, the, like, two, the twins, who pilot new mechs with spiral power and whatever. But this show is so about the like running line in the in the um, interstitial song they have. It's all it's so about fighting the power. It's so about the powers that be are probably fucked and should be done away with. And if you believe that you deserve to be the new power that is because you got rid of the powers that be in the first place. You're gonna end up fucked. And so on a different show about millionaire about billionaires and millionaires, um, in the show Succession, there's a character who um there's um the the main guy, the um the guy that um Brian Cox plays. That that character's brother um, is like Eugene or something. And you you see him a couple times in the show, in the show so far. And every time he wants nut like he he clearly benefits from the wealth and power that had that the world has given his family and by by extension him. And so he holds on to it for dear life. But other than that, he does kind of nothing. <laughs> he, he he shows up to like to like spit in the face of power, and then and then leaves, and then takes his ball and goes home. But that's kind of what Simone is by the end of this show. He's not he's not like happily sitting in the government running it. He's not like he's not like. He's not like a head of state while Rossi was running the running the thing, even. He just kinda leave me alone. Let me wander the earth with my drill and hang out. Like fuck you. No, no. Just no. You know, I have phenomenal phenomenal cosmic power. I'm I'm not obligated to like stamp a paper with my with my with my you know John Hancock for 900, 900 times a second. It's just not what... It, I, and I'm not obligated to... sit on top of the pyramid and keep other people out. And keep other... And, of the new pyramid and keep other people at the bottom. What I am obligated to do and what, I've, what I feel is right to do is to help people when I can. To help, to help a kid crack open a coconut... On my way, on my way, drifting through, and I, 
what this what this show does and in the and the thing the piece of imagination that this show achieves and what a lot of Gainax shows achieve is it imagines a scenario in which the hero does not need the reward in which the reward is really the accomplishing the thing and that is a word enough the the reward is the final punch and that's it and in a universe where we have a american president who's almost 80 a another ostrogenarian you know who drags the country to its absolute to its absolute lowest point culturally and in many other ways in the form of Biden, the president who's almost 80, and Trump, the other guy. Um, it's kind of cool to think about a show or to see a show in which the people who are really the heroes did it and they got the fuck out the way. And in many, in many ways, you know, Rothu is kind of right. Like, like he, he is, he's, he was younger than Simone when Simone, when Simone and him first met. And he looked up and he says, I looked up to you. Why did you become a fucking slacker? And Simone was like, Simone just straight up tells him like, this was only the plan, dude. Like, we, I didn't plan to run this place. I planned to free this place and move on. I planned, I planned to free this place, have a big old party, and that party never stopped. And, yes. Yes, and what Rossi said is true. Like, yes, you have a responsibility. There's a responsibility to... Make sure after you break a thing wide open that everybody who could be affected by you fucking everything up is helped and good. Yes, that is true. But oftentimes the people who are doing the breaking of a system are the people who have been most fucked over by it. The people who do not have a recourse otherwise or feel they don't have a recourse otherwise. You know... In the beginning of this show, Simo is essentially like a digging, like it's essentially a child laborer digging, digging for his next meal. That's what he starts at. By the end of this show, he has cast all of that off and he has achieved phenomenal cosmic power through great and incredible sacrifice what right does that do does that universe have to turn around and say okay now now, now take responsibility like no fuck you take you take responsibility for your own damn self say thank you and let me just walk away and and also what kind of person when someone says thank you, now run it, says, okay, I'm going to run it straight into the ground, just like the guy before me. 
And that's kind of the show's point. It's like, the powers that be are not worth it. Are not, are, are not worth becoming the power that be, that, that is again, that be again. I, it's just, I, I was thinking about what I want to talk about this episode, as I usually do, in a stupor panic around way too soon to the deadline, usually, because I'm a little dis- I'm more than a little disorganized lately. And when I thought about this show and realized I hadn't covered it, a I wanted to rectify that because this is a big this is a big show in anime and it should be represented on the podcast. Um, but b it feels right. It feels like the kind. It feels like the kind of show people who need to watch. People watching anime need to watch right now. They need to watch the show about the system's fucked. So instead of trying to patch the system, instead of trying to steer the correct, correct for error, sometimes you just need to blow it up and start again. Sometimes you just need to break down the walls of a house so it can be built better next time. And by and to be clear, by the end of the show, humanity is in a better place. Like humanity is like reaching out and is much less accepting of fucking bullshit that will that be will be oppressive for no other reason than oppression or for no other reason than the health of the universe because as somebody who is the odd person out when someone tells you that like your existence that your that your success threatens the world around you you should probably be suspect of that they're probably assholes. Even if they are a weird, like, polygon, like, geometry-based race of space beings. Um, on that note, if you like this episode, um, new episodes come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Um, next Sunday will be a, will be a Sunday edition. And I think I I released this I released last episode all about Inyasha as a YouTube video. Going forward, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to release the Sunday editions as YouTube videos. I'm going to keep these as regular editions. I still may post them as a bod file to um, YouTube, but I'm not sure. They won't have like you won't see me in them is what I'm saying. But I think that's a good cadence to hit. It's the kind of cadence I can keep up with. But on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And I will talk to you on Sunday. <laughs>